This is an energy sport podcast. Insightful, in-depth and entertaining sports content from Napier to you. This is the Football Roundup, energy sport's longest running football show. Each week our team of football writers and podcasters deliver their views on the weekend's action from Scotland, England and the wider world of football. With our panel bringing knowledge, insight and passion, you can be rest assured of quality from each episode of the Football Roundup. Hello and welcome back to the Football Roundup here on Energy Sport. You've been without us for the last week. We took a bit of a break when the internationals came along, uh, but we're back again and you'll have this and extra time, I'm sure, this coming Thursday as well. So you've got that to look forward to later in the week. But for now, you're locked in with us for the next hour or so talking about the weekend's action in Scotland, England and the wider world of the beautiful game. My name is Jack Donnelly and as the podcast comes back, so does university and it's the last year of university for myself and my three guests today. The first man, he's he's been talking about his dissertation topic already, which is just quite scary, but at least I know he's got a bit of a head on his shoulders. Struan Garvey, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm not bad. I, I say dissertation topic, but I have about 70 ideas floating around and I'm not <laughs> sure if any of them are good, so it's uh, it's all fun and games, really. Well, we've only had the one the one lecture on it, so I mean, you can be excused for not having an idea it's, it's exactly locked away. in. There's plenty of time. <laughs> eight months. How, how long do you think we'll be holding on to that? There's plenty of time for. I mean, it's... Until there's two weeks left. Yeah, probably. Well, in case any of our lecturers are listening, that's not the case. We are very well prepared and we'll have it done in plenty of time. Don't you worry. I'm sure our lecturers listening to this podcast. Uh, also joining us is a man who has had some uh, vindication this weekend for seeing a couple of his more uh, contested shouts in the group chat come to, come, come to a bit of positivity. And it's uh, Taylor Murray. How are you doing this afternoon, mate? I'm actually doing. You cheered me up earlier by revealing something that I didn't even know had happened. Mm. What? You usually cheer me up, Jack, every day, but today you've made it extra special. Well, I do my best, mate. You know, you know, you you cheer me up on the on a day to day basis. So I just thought, you know what, I should start returning the favour at least at one point. Honestly, some partnership we've got going will get us up front for Spurs, and I guarantee we win them in Champions League. percent. I, I mean. You're you're more of a holding midfielder, and I'm lucky if I can run for twenty minutes and and as a centre back. So I don't know how well we do leading the line for Nuno. Although strikers don't really do a lot of running for Nuno, so I mean, it might work out in the end after all. Huh? you never see, know. Look, see, look at that. It's the things that don't go together by will end up working. So <laughs> us two are perfect. We don't fit Nuno style. There you go. Opposites attract. There we go. See. Eh, worth a punt. There you go. I suppose you can you can always just kind of count your luck on that, and we might be. Traipsed out in the in the white of Tottenham in, in the weeks to come. You never know. I mean, free agent signings are still allowed, I think, so give it some time. Uh, and a man who loves a punt himself, but uh, of course he wasn't doing any of that in his professional capacity this weekend, I'm sure. Mr. Jamie McIntosh. Jamie, good to have you, mate. How are you doing? Yes, yeah, very good. It's a, a Monday. We've had our... It's technically week one, I suppose, the university, as, mm-hmm. as you've already touched on. It's a shame you had to introduce me, actually, because you would have had a nice segue there into your, uh, into your big question there with... Uh, Murray and Donnelly sign for oh, sign for Spurs. Yeah. That would have been that might have been somebody's uh, answer to your big question <laughs> that's about to come up. If if that was someone's big uh, big answer to the big question, that that kind of works, say, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Call big answer, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think question, we've ever big answer, big shout. Oh no, it's a different podcast. That's a different. We do, we just do things big here at Energy Sport, don't we? <laughs> I mean, go home, go bigger. Go, there you go, mate. That's it. You're you're on it today, Stuart. There we go. Uh, Jamie's alluded to it, we're going to get on to big question, and uh, we never actually 
have, we've not done a broadcast or a podcast at all since transfer deadline day. So window's done, the the uh, dealings are finalised, and we just need to wait until January to see what happens next. But uh, I suppose we can touch on the more positive signings for clubs, especially up here in Scotland. So big question, fairly simple. I've definitely not stolen this from not the old firm. Who has been the best transfer in the Scottish window uh, in 2021-22? To make sure I've got my season right, there we go. Struan, you might have a, a fairly biased shout for this one, uh, if, I, if I'm going along your line of thinking, but surprise me. Do you know what doesn't help here is that I'm going to say a Celtic player and you've just said I'm, I'm being a bit biased. So <laughs> exactly why I said it, yeah. Struan is a Celtic fan agenda, but um, no, for me, I think the best signing of the summer is Kyogo Furuhashi. I think I think that's quite a, a safe shout, an obvious shout. There was a Hearts player who um, I was going to mention, but I, I, I'll let Jamie um, mm. see him. But yeah, I, I think Kyogo Furuhashi has been absolutely excellent, to be honest. He came in with not much expectation. A lot of people just said, yeah, he's the guy who plays with Iniesta over in Japan, but he's come in and he's been absolutely fantastic. He's made selling Edward not a big problem for Celtic, and I think that's massive when you think about the goals mm. he's brought to the side. Obviously, his versatility is absolutely huge as well. The fact he can play off the left and through the middle We've seen this season as well. He's bagged hat-tricks. He's bagged important goals. He's one of those players who you can just rely on in the big games, it seems, so far. And, yeah, I think I think he'll be a really important player for Celtic. At the time of recording, he has actually been injured on international duty, yeah. so he's going to miss the next month. But I think he'll be a really key player. I'd, I'd also like the looks of Giamakis. I think he... Giacomacus. Giacomacus, there you go. I'm that name. But he, his record speaks for itself over in Holland. You know, absolutely incredible looking player just from stats alone. So he'll definitely be another one to watch who could possibly develop a good partnership with Furuhashi. But um, yeah, I think Furuhashi for me so far has been the signing of the season. Of course, very different players when you look at them, Furuhashi and Giacomacus. And the big Greek striker wasn't in the squad at the weekend. So we're just going to have to wait and see how he gets on in Glasgow uh, in the weeks to come. Uh Jamie Strune alluded to a certain midfielder uh, in his uh, in his spiel there, so I'm not sure if you're gonna lock it, lock him in as you're signing the summer. Do you know what actually? Um, I, I, you know Benny Beningame, yes, of course, is, is who we're referring to. I'll, I'll put that out there mm. first and foremost. He's been excellent since he's come in from Everton. And to be honest, with you, the best thing about that signing is it's on a permanent transfer. You know, normally yeah, you get players coming up from from the English Premier League or even just down south in general. It tends to be on loans, but because parts have managed to get. Uh, get Benny in on a permanent deal. That's uh, that's an excellent piece of business. But if I was going to give you one from the lower leagues, I'd say um, Joe Cardell at Kelty Hearts. Uh, oh, yeah. Two. Uh-huh. A signing for, you know, clearly for the future. Um, not because he's young, but because Kelty Hearts aren't going to be in League Two for very, uh, very long. So Joe Cardell clearly been uh, signed by Kelty Hearts for League One, at least, you would imagine. So good signing. Already scored four goals in uh, all competitions for Kelty. And, uh, yeah, really should piece of business. Yeah, good good shout that one there. To be fair, I, I like that kind of going further afield. It's something I, I've looked down into the, the lower leagues as well, barring just kind of dropping one league into the pyramid and going for the championship signing. But uh, I'll get to that in a moment. We'll come to Taylor, and uh, Taylor, if this uh, if you're signing the summer isn't John Lundstrom, I'm going to be hilariously disappointed in you. Oh, great great signing. He's worked <laughs> very well, by the way. Honestly, nah. Um... Nah, let's let's save the John Lundstrom, you know, slander until May at least, right? Oh, it's first season, so I'm <laughs> not going to slander anyone. I'm actually on a, a weird boat because a uh, um a weird boat, a strange position. I meant sorry. Um, Works the same. Uh, I, obviously, the the obvious ones have been said, and I I have to agree. Both shouts uh, from Strun and Jamie have been you know accurate, and I would agree with, but. 
the players that I'm looking at are ones that I've not seen a lot of so far, but they have huge potential. Mm. And I'm just going to go one since it was very recent since I watched it yesterday. I am really, really impressed with Ben Woodburn, and I think he'll be a class player for Hearts this season. Um, I was just literally the flashes I seen. He looks like he's got huge potential. Um, definitely a player that you can see why Liverpool have him on his books and. If he can keep up some of his performances that I feel like his potential shows, um, yeah, hearts are on a winner with him in, uh, him in the midfield and definitely attacking-wise. So that's one I looked at. The other one was, uh, you know, can't really have a go at him, but his team aren't doing very well. But Glenn Middleton at Rangers, uh, not Rangers, it's on one, uh, St. Johnson mm-hmm. from Rangers. Couldn't play against Rangers, obviously, but I've been impressed with him since he's been at St Johnson the previous season yeah and him going back there is a great move for him and I can probably end up seeing him moving to a permanent basis because he fits that system so well he, play, he looks like he can suit Calum Davidson's style mm-hmm. and he'll be a massive player for St Johnson and keeping them up or at least out at bottom six if they want aspirations to push for the top six it's slightly odd you're kind of thinking about St Johnson actually having to fight for survival five games into the season. I mean, considering how well they'd uh, they'd done last year, obviously with their historic double. But uh, I, I like the shout of Glenn Middleton to be fair, and it's interesting you say that you see him kind of moving permanently away from Rangers rather than kind of potentially getting into the team at Ibrox. So we might touch on that a little bit later when we get to that uh, match between the two. But for me, I kind of had Furuhashi in my head and I had a feeling someone was going to pick him up and obviously Struan did. I had Jake Doyle Hayes in my head for uh, Hibs coming in from St Mirren, uh, kind of bog standard at this point, uh, Hibs signing a St Mirren midfielder. Uh, but there's a there's a man that I've just had like a really good appreciation for, uh, having watched a lot of championship football this season already. And uh, it's on loan striker at Arbroath, uh, John Newble. Now, he signed for Livingston. Uh, in the summer on a permanent basis, a 25-year-old, and instantly went on loan to uh, the Red Lefties. And barring his first game in a one loss to Inverness on the opening day of the championship season, or the opening weekend, rather, he's had at least one goal of, one goal involvement in every game he's played, uh, scoring three and assisting three. And, of course, I saw one of his goals in Ayers 2-2 draw uh, with our broth at Somerset Park, I was there reporting for Energy Sport, and he just had a, it was an absolutely cracking finish. Just took the touch on the far side of the box and bent it into the top right hand corner from a really acute angle. So a fantastic finish, and he just seems to have been so well received by everyone at the club. He's spending about 20, 25 minutes after every game chatting to the young supporters, getting those pictures taken. I think he was giving away shin pads and his boots on uh, Saturday afternoon after our broth thumping of Hamilton at Gayfield and it's just I've, I've been really impressed by him really impressed and definitely see him potentially getting a line into the Livingston first team uh, next season but if Livingston continue their struggles I don't know that he could kind of get recalled if that's an option but hopefully not I like seeing him at championship level and he's propelling our both right up the table uh, we'll move away from our big answers to the big question and get into our coverage of this weekend's Scottish action and there's only really one place to start and that is with the Edinburgh Derby. It was a stalemate in the end, Hearts nil, Hibs nil at Tyne Castle. Uh, a win for either side would have put them top of the tree but a draw leaves them with second and third respectively. Jamie, you were at the game of course for uh, us here at Energy Sport and before you get on to the game itself, I feel like I talk to you about this every time uh, with Hearts covered recently but... A, f- a sold out Tyne Castle in a Derby atmosphere just after so long away. How did that feel? 
Yeah, it was it was weird to be honest. Uh, going to a derby, having not had a, a few pints before, I'll be honest. It's uh, kind of all <laughs> part of the the derby build up, mm-hmm. really. So it was a it was a wee bit different. Um, but it, I thought it was a, you know it was a very good game. But you know, on a personal note, um, you know, as for going and reporting, you mm-hmm. know, like covering the covering a derby, you know, it's just something that obviously I've always wanted to do. So very uh, very grateful to energy sport and napier for that opportunity and hearts i suppose eh? <laughs> i have to maybe chuck even though they never won <laughs> <laughs> well, well, well i checked up and credit for the opportunity i suppose you're gonna need to uh, yeah, exactly. but they didn't win so how did you take in the game then i mean was a draw the fair result i mean i had a look at the stats and obviously they don't tell the whole story but it just did seem very very balanced throughout yeah it was a really good game actually for a nil nil to be fair uh, I, I personally wouldn't accuse any manager of um kind of settling for the for the point towards the end right. there was a couple of chances at either end very late on in the game um both teams were were still going for the the winning goal so i'm not sure you could uh kind of accuse either manager of just sitting back and taking the draw in the end um i know some people still will but there was plenty of chances at either end and uh you know both goalies were put up for media duties after the game which suggests that mm. everybody seemed to think that they were on top um and they were you know they both had very good games but I thought it was a fair result. I thought um, Hearts had a really strong bench. Obviously, they've recruited very well in that summer window. And I thought towards the end of the game, Hearts might have um, kind of gained control. Obviously, we, were, we weren't sure if Martin Boyle was going to play. Mm-hmm. And I thought maybe the fact that he did start, I wasn't sure if he was going to last the full 90 or, you know, everything that Hibs created obviously came through Martin Boyle, um, as you would expect. And yeah, I just wasn't really sure if he was gonna gonna last the ninety, but he did, and he was a constant threat for Hibs. And uh, yeah, you'd probably be annoyed he never he never scored. In my match report yesterday, I wrote that you know the the last chance, of the first half, that he had uh, had a shot that had gone wide because the ref had given a goal kick. So I was just like, oh, you know, that's fine, must have just gone wide. But you watch it back, and it's a really good fingertip save from mm. uh, Craig Gordon as well, which I didn't realise until after the game. Um, so yeah, we we needed we needed Craig Gordon, but you know, you need your goalie. Hibs needed Macy as well at times. Mm-hmm. But I think that's uh, nine games now where the away team hasn't lost in a, an Edinburgh derby, which is an interesting one. So mm. I'll be disappointed not to win that but uh, at home. But yeah, hey I have to take a point. Plenty of positives though. It was good performance, created plenty of chances. But I'm sure Hibs will argue that they could have snuck it as well. Well, I'll come to soon for the Hibs angle in just a little second, Jamie. But let me stick with you just on that man, Craig Gordon, of course. He's come back into the fold from a triple header away with Scotland, of course, played all three games. And while we don't really want to discuss the Denmark game too heavily, he was very, very important in the Moldova win and the win away in Austria especially. I mean, making that fantastic reaction save towards the end of the game. And he was called into action a fair few times, I think, out saving Macy by one. I think saved six compared to Macy's five in the end. But, I mean, at 38, he just shows absolutely no signs of slowing down anytime soon, does he? No, it's it's ridiculous. I, I mean, every time you ask Robbie Nielsen about Craig Gordon and after a, after a game where he's pulled off a big save, he he just says, "Oh, it's the, just the run of the mill." He does it every day in training, <laughs> so you know we're not really surprised. And it must be like absolutely mental for guys like Craig Halkett and Michael Smith, who played obviously in the the last season at Hearts in the Premiership with Joe Pereira or Bobby Zamal, so used to seeing the ball going in. And like, it's, I, I, genuinely though, like, yeah. as soon as a striker takes a shot, they must be thinking, "Oh shit!" Like that—that's <laughs> going in. But now, like, they must have so much more confidence with somebody like Gordon playing behind them because some of the saves he pulls off are just ridiculous. That one with yeah. Boyle, as I say, um, fingertip save, uh, was such a good effort from Boyle as well, actually. Which again, as I say, I thought it was going wide, so I thought he kind of dragged it wide. But 
it was a really good effort and uh, yeah, a really good save. But you know, he's he's crucial, obviously, to Hearts. And you know, as I say, just day and night to guys like Pereira, Lamal, Colin Doyle. Hearts have always been very lucky with their goalies. I am um, to be fair, but those three in particular, such a difference to Craig Gordon, obviously. <laughs> obviously, I mean, you can't really compare the two. Well, you can, and it's night and day, the comparison, of course. Uh, Stuart, I'll come to you for a word on Gordon's opposite number. Uh, 18 foot 7 Matt Macy started his first Edinburgh derby uh, in between the sticks for Hibs and looked very, very assured of himself, didn't he? Uh, 18 foot 8. Sorry, uh, so I'm just, off by an inch. Just get it correct. Though, That's fine, yeah, okay. Um, no, yeah, it was a terrific performance from Macy. Obviously, he's come in this season with a pretty difficult task of replacing Ophi Marciano. A lot of people always said that Marciano was one of the better keepers in the Scottish League. Obviously, he's gone to Feyenoord now. Macy's come in on a two-year loan, I believe it is, from Arsenal, and he's done excellent. You know, I, th- mm-hmm. I think he's a, I think he's a really assured goalkeeper, and I think that game possibly was one of the best performances he's had in a Hibs shirt. I mean, obviously, away at Tynecastle, it's a difficult game, but he made some terrific saves. Mm-hmm. I think it's it's a shame almost that Craig Gordon was so good himself because he, <laughs> it could have been one of those games where um, Macy is the hero but his opposite number was just as good to be honest and I, I think Gordon had a better performance as well I think I, I say it so many times but and and I think in our group chat after about 15 minutes of the game I, I've said I, I hate Craig Gordon because he's just absolutely <laughs> ridiculous you know I think he's he's still arguably the best keeper in the league or at least up there to be honest despite turning I think 39 on is it, is it December 31st his birthday or the turn of the year ridiculous how, how well he's playing and it's come out today that he's still going to be playing for a few more years so long as he's in the national side and mm. um, his club team but no I think Macy is, is a really assured goalkeeper obviously he's come from Arsenal who themselves have had a lot of difficulties in goal yeah. but he's come to Hibs he's here for a I would say a long-term loan I guess a two-year loan is possibly yeah. considered long-term but yeah he, he looks really assured and, and I think that's so important for the defense as well obviously Hibs's defense has been shaky to say the least but so long as they have a pretty comfortable goalkeeper behind should hopefully get better and, and, and a result like this is only going to do wonders for Macy's confidence as well going mm. forward I feel like this is kind of the first time that Macy's kind of attracted that level of attention for a performance I feel like he's always just kind of yeah. never really garnered much of a mention following a match so I think obviously heading in the right direction and it was fairly big shoes to fill in Marciano because I think he was one of kind of Hibs most well-loved players of the last kind of few years anyway like he just had such a good relationship with the club and the fans and losing him obviously was going to be big so I think it's prime opportunity now for Macy to step up and really get to that same level potentially if that is uh, a possibility. Uh, Strain, I want to start with you just on a note of team news of course we weren't sure whether Boyle was going to play this game as Jamie said and he ended up uh, in the starting 11 playing the full 90 but one man that did miss out was Jake Doyle Hayes of course he came in from St Mirren in the summer, as we said earlier, and big question, and he's been really, really good in the base of that. It helps midfield partnering either McGuinness or Newell or whoever it's been. Uh, do you think Hibbs potentially lacked his his quality on a Sunday afternoon, or do you think it would have kind of ended up being the same result had uh, Doyle Hayes been in the starting eleven? Well, I think Jake Doyle Hayes that is really good is just calming down a game. You know, he can just mm-hmm. take the ball and dictate play. Uh, I was a big fan of Alex Gogic last season, but this season he's been rash. I don't think he's been very good at all. Several defensive errors have cost Hibs, uh, especially when it comes to heading in the air. He's been quite poor. But Jake Doyle Hayes, it's not quite been night and day between uh, Gogic and himself, but he's been absolutely excellent when he's come in. And I feel he's developing a really good partnership with McGuinness in that midfield. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure if he would have made a big difference. Maybe if the game was at Easter Road and Hibs were hoping to dominate a little bit more of the ball, that's when he could come in and come into his own element. But I think for this match, 
obviously it was a big miss regardless, but I don't think he would have had the same sort of impact, or, or Hibs, sorry, I should say, would have been any better had he been there. Yep, absolutely fair enough. I, I can completely see where you're coming from with that one. Uh, Taylor, you've been quite quiet, and uh, understandably so, considering we've got a jambo and a high beat on today's show. But uh, I just wanted to come to you just before we moved on about this game. I feel like this Edinburgh Derby, Derby sorry, was really, really hyped up. Like There was a lot of attention going into it, of course, the first... Uh, top flight derby for a season after Hearts were demoted two years back now and full crowds back of course it was always going to be a massive occasion and I don't know for me I think it definitely lived up even though it's it's a weird thing to say considering it finished 0-0 but I think the game itself absolutely lived up to that uh, hype and that pre-match uh, anticipation uh, but what about you are you in the same view? No I'd have to agree with that um, it was a game that was actually very entertaining and it was on the it was on a knife edge, I felt like either team could have took it, and when it comes to a derby, that's what you're wanting, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, either team, you know, going head-to-head, no holding back, and it was at one point, I think, for a good 15 minutes, it was genuine end-to-end stuff, and I was like, this, this is really good, by the way. It's like, I thought all the hype, you know, around this would have been, would have overcast the actual game, and like, it would have just been about the build-up, usually as exciting thing, but... The game lived up to expectations, I would say, and I thoroughly enjoyed watching it. I had to dip away, you know, just before the 90th minute, but oh, I would have loved, I didn't see it, but I'd have loved to see the, uh, the dying embers of that game, because I could only assume the fact is uh, there was going to be, you know, tackles flying in left, right and centre. No, I, I was just kind of gutted that I could only watch this game on highlights, because I'd missed it completely, because I was moving up, uh, back up to my flat in Edinburgh yesterday uh, for the academic year ahead and I just missed the full 90 so I could only watch it on the highlights but it was one of those even though it was a nil-nil you were absolutely gutted that you couldn't uh, sit down and watch the full thing. Uh, Taylor I'm going to stick with you just now because we're going to move away from the derby and head down to Perth as St Johnston lost 2-1 to Rangers after going a goal in front. Uh, the result leaves Rangers top of the pile uh, ahead of the next few games and uh I mean, we could probably talk about Tavernier's goal all in its own section, but Taylor, Rangers were made to work for this result, of course, going the goal down. Oi, Rangers were made to sweat, they were made to graft, and and it was probably, you know, signs of what Rangers' season have has been since, you know, since they've started. They're only showing their brownies and flashes, but it's their flashes where they're, you know, showing their strength and their quality and getting the, um, the game done. Uh, the same, there's always the cliches, like it's the former champions, and I think that is true to a certain extent, but um, credit needs to go to St. Johnson. Like, considering the season they've been having, like that was only their second goal that they scored, and the way they defend it, you could see that they really wanted to you know, get this win. It's, it's not a team that's you know letting up for the manager, it's a team that are actually wanting to you know, put their body in the line for the manager, try to get everything for the club, and... Maybe, you know, um, it just was a wee bit of an experience at the end because I knew they had a couple of, you know, young players on that side and especially on that defence and maybe that's what came to their detriment towards the end. But, you know, for a good 60 minutes, St Johnson had Rangers in their ropes and Rangers generally didn't know what to do until, you know, until obviously Kent got that penalty and mm-hmm. then Tafnir produced a wee bit of quality. Just a wee bit of quality, of course. Uh, I just want to bring you back to your point you made in the big question about Glenn Middleton, of course, signing on loan from Rangers in this window. 
uh, eligible for the game, of course, but uh, he's the exact kind of player that St. Johnson would have been hoping that they had access to in this game, Taylor, because you're 1-0 uh, one, one up in the 51st minute, a decent goal for Michael O'Halloran, absolutely, but then you've got someone like Glenn Middleton who can just absolutely terrorise a back line for Rangers that has been more culpable this season than it had been the entire year beforehand. Yeah, I'd have, I'd have to agree. Um, uh, Rangers' back line hasn't you know, been the greatest this season, and I would have actually feared if we had if St. Johnson had Glenn Middleton on a permanent basis because that would have been the last thing Rangers would want that somebody has uh, quality, you know, bombing down the line and putting in uh, some beautiful crosses for like Kane to get in the end, end of who, you know, thrive off of that kind of service. But you know, it was one of the ones where you've got to be thankful because Michael Halloran he's got he's got quick turn of pace. He's really good when it comes to, you know, running out of channels, but his quality isn't there and Glenn Middleton, I feel, has has Michael Halloran's pace and he's got the quality. Mm. So, uh, Callum Davidson would have been very, you know, um, he'd have been very annoyed to not have him at his disposal, but it's just one of the ones where Rangers have used their own market to their advantage in that situation. And it's on the surface, it looks like it's definitely paid off because I'd have been a player, uh, the last player that Rangers probably wanted to come up against him in that St. Johnston team. Ah, I completely agree. I think he just would have been that kind of player that could really, really get at a backline because, as you say, he does have the absolute quality to do so. Uh, Jamie, I want to come to you here. This is St. John's fifth game of the season in the league. Still winless, but I suppose when there's five teams winless in the league at the moment, you can't really look into that too much. But there are a team that are winless, they've only scored twice, and they've lost two of their best players since we last recorded, Jason Kerr and Ali McCann. Things are looking a bit bleak for the Persia Saints at the moment. Yeah, I mean it's a <laughs> yeah, it's a difficult one. Um, you know, I would argue that obviously Ali McCann is the the kind of heart and soul of that St mm-hmm. Johnson team in the middle of the park. So good at breaking up the play, obviously, and you know, obviously as we know that kind of St Johnson defence has been very settled as well. So uh, yeah, it's it's not great, but I look at who they've played as well. Ross County, Motherwell, uh, Dundee United, St Mirren, and then obviously Rangers today. But you know, St Johnson have never been blessed with goals. We know that, mm-hmm. and you know they've they've not really done an awful lot wrong this season. They're just struggling to put the ball in the back of the net. But you know, look until you get a goal scorer, you're probably going to be struggling. So yeah. I think there's a few teams right now, as you've just said, that are kind of struggling. You know, both Dundee teams, really. St Mirren as well, for me. I am struggling for goals at the moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it's, a, it's a, going to be an interesting league. I think it's going to be quite close down the bottom. Mm-hmm. I, I think you could have a clear kind of top four or five and then the rest could be in any order, yeah. really. No, I'd back that, to be honest. I think there is going to be quite a bit of a divide even before the split happens. And it's going to be quite easy to see who's going to be either side of it even maybe even a few weeks, a couple of months before this split does eventually come. Uh, Struan, they've not secured a goal scorer, but one man they have secured for a long-term uh, stint at the club is Callum Davidson. I think over the weekend it was announced that he has signed on until 2025, of course. This, this can only really be a good thing, from looking, look, even looking from as far away as he possibly can. You just see a guy in his first year of uh, professional management winning two trophies and becoming the most successful team in Scotland for that season. You can only kind of see it as a positive. Yeah, definitely. You know, a lot of people have said that if St. Johnson were eliminated from Europe, they would lose a lot of their key players. Now we've seen that with Kerr and Ali McCann both going down south. But 
One of the names that not many people mentioned was Cam Davidson, and obviously the job he's done his first season in management, he did the, he did the domestic cup double with St Johnston, an absolutely incredible achievement. And obviously he's a, he's a highly sought after manager, he's a young guy, and he's he's done absolute wonders with that squad. But the fact that he's signed on, I think, is, is very important. But of course, if St Johnston do face troubles this season, I, I can still see him leaving at the end of the year. You know, I think often a contract extension doesn't always mean that player or mm-hmm. manager in this case is going to be at that club until 2025 or whenever it is. I could easily see him going on to potentially bigger and better things depending on how the rest of the clubs in Scotland do. I mean, I'm not suggesting this one for a second, but obviously there's a lot of interest. Um, <clears throat> well, not interest, that's the wrong word, sorry, but obviously Stephen Glass is under a bit of pressure. Aberdeen, if he was to go, you know, you could see Cam Davidson being linked to a job like Aberdeen. It's it's just one of those things. So I, th- I think it'll be interesting to see how St. Johnston get on this season because obviously he's, he's, a, he's a been there, done that kind of manager now. So there's, there's definitely going to be rumours floating about but from the players point of view that's going to calm them down that's going to settle mm. them you know your manager is at least staying for this season you'd have to hope and you can keep going and building on what you've you've already started because <laughs> he had an incredibly difficult job last year but it's gotten even harder no it definitely has gotten harder and i think it's very very smart from the higher ups at st johnson to tie him down until 2025 because as you say if he does potentially look to move on in the summer it's he's going to need to be bought out of his contract and I'd imagine it would go to the club looking to recruit him to do that. So smart from St John's to kind of protect that investment that they had with Davidson and uh, hopefully things turn around because I, I quite like him. I, I liked what he did last season, like the team that he built and hopefully he can start getting some results sooner rather than later. And from Rangers, we'll move across to Celtic, who also got themselves back to winning ways after their old firm defeat before the international break. They defeated Ross County 3-0 at home. Uh, it was a goal for new signing Cameron Carter-Vickers. I mean, someone said he chipped the keeper from outside the box, but uh, I don't really think you can be arguing that when it was a massive, massive uh, uh, deflection off uh, the Ross County defender. And it was a double for Albion Ajeti, who kind of seems to become a bit of a forgotten man at uh, Parkhead Struan and considering we know that Furuhashi is going to be out for about seven or eight games as Postacoglu has said uh, pretty good way for him to get some confidence under his belt and we don't really know the situation with uh, Giacomacchus how much of a role he's going to play but if you're going to think that your second string striker Energeti is going to be playing a prolonged period of games in the first team it's massive for him to get two goals on his kind of return to the team yeah, absolutely. It's one of those opportunities where he's, he's got to grab it by the horns, to be honest. I mean, I think you could have said at the end of last season he was the fourth-choice striker, or mm. at least third-choice, rather, sorry. Start of this season, he was the fourth-choice striker, you could argue, before Griffiths and Edward departed, but he's got he's got a good chance. Now, he captained the side in pre-season, which I always thought was a little bit interesting, but then he's never really come back. You know, I, I think last season he'd, he'd have to go down as one of the worst signings of the summer coming from West Ham. He, he really failed to make an impact. But obviously he had the opportunity, he scored two in his debut. You probably saw Edward score two for Crystal Palace and thought yeah. anything you could do, I can do at least the same. So <laughs> yeah, he's, he's got the great opportunity now. As we say, Furuhashi will be out for a month. And even even when Furuhashi's back, if Celtic continues to play with one up front and Giacomacchus comes in, it's likely Furuhashi may stay out on that left-hand side. So I'll be an AA can say Look, I'm, I'm a good option off the bench, but I'm, I'm just as good starting. I know I know Ross County are not exactly the best of opposition, no offence, but I think some people would argue it possibly is one of those bogey teams to Celtic. It's not always the um, the best of places for them, but good result. Two goals will do absolute wonders for his confidence, and, and, and really Celtic needed that, and, and especially um, Postacoglu, because regardless of whether a Yeti is good enough or not, he's, he's going to be their starting striker for at least the next couple of games. 
Yeah, you would think so. And it's an interesting point you make about the one up front because, as we saw in that old firm loss, Furuhashi really wasn't as effective as he would have been playing through the middle when he did play him out wide. So it's an interesting uh, debate to have of whether you see him playing out wide through the middle where Giacomakis fits into the whole thing. But, yeah, moving on, because it wasn't just uh, Giacomakis that had the potential to be involved in this game. Of course, he was one of two. One of three, rather, deadline day signings, of course, not forgetting uh, Carter Vickers, who started at the back with Carl Starfelt. Uh, Taylor Jota came in on loan from um, Benfica, I think I'm right in saying. Uh, young Portuguese winger, and they've got a view of making that move permanent, I think, for about £7.5 uh, next summer. Uh, I don't know if you saw any of this game, saw any of Jota, but from what I could understand, he was a really, really lively presence down that left-hand side. Yeah, I didn't see any of this game live, but I watched the highlights when I was watching the games back, and yeah, I'd have to agree, he looks like a, a lively f- uh, figure, and um, he's a player that, you know, we'll have to wait and see if he'll be able to cont- continue, you know, that look about him, or will he just be, you know, one of these players that can play well against, you know, the lower half uh, the table, because I'm not going to take anything... Uh, anything I did see at the weekend there for Celtic I'm taking my pinch of salt because it was only Ross County mm. and um, we don't expect him to be anywhere near the calibre um, of what Celtic will be playing in and when it comes to you know, the matches that do matter for the title if they even want to try to say they're going to go for that <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, basically I just think that this was exactly what Celtic I'm going to say needed but also what they didn't need going in at nil nil against a Ross County side was not the best of look but also a Yeti coming out and scoring two goals and showing Postcoglu that yes look I can score the goals if need be is probably going to make his you know worries a wee bit better uh, because now going into Europe on Thursday he's a player that's found a net very recently and his confidence will be high and well they're going to need him at least do what he did on uh, on Saturday, but against you know higher caliber of opposition. No, absolutely. I think it's definitely important, especially going into the European group stages starting this week. That just uh, the striker that's potentially going to be starting all the games, uh, or the games in the next couple of weeks anyway, has some confidence, has some goal scoring form going in. Uh, that is a lot of sirens outside my window. I apologise for that, but uh, we'll move on, uh, regardless, and uh, we'll come to the only other uh, game in the Premiership that had goals in it and that was Motherwell 2 Aberdeen 0 Jamie that's 4 games unbeaten and 3 wins on the bounce for uh, Graham Alexander at Motherwell while Aberdeen remain winless since their second leg against against uh, Breedoblick in their uh, European qualifiers really kind of contrasting fortunes coming out of this one and I suppose you can kind of look at Aberdeen more uh, with more scrutiny of course uh, in that bad run I mean, there was a real kind of honeymoon period under Stephen Glass when he first came in and it seemed that Aberdeen were actually trying to attack and get some good football on the go. But in the last few weeks, they've just really been uh, the opposite of that, to be honest. I mean, they were very lucky to actually get a point against Ross County. Of course, there was that absolute clangor from the goalkeeper that allowed Ramirez to tap in. And they just weren't really at it in this game. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a difficult one. I mean, as you say, two really contrasting teams. Aberdeen's kind of experiment, if you want to call it that. Now the wheels seem to be coming off. But to be honest, I'd rather speak about Motherwell because I'm kind of coming into the season myself and Graham kind of weren't really sure about Mm. uh, what to expect from 
Motherwell and they're sitting on 10 points, you know, sitting fourth in the league above Celtic and, you know, they've, they've not had, they've not played, uh, not played the old firm yet, I don't think, but, you know, they've had some, some tough games still. I am, um, you know, obviously, I still believe that they were unlucky to lose to Hibs on the opening, uh, opening day of the season. Then they went to McDermott Park and got a draw um, and, you know, beat Livingston, Dundee and Aberdeen now. So, you know they're not they're not easy games. Mm. I don't think there's any easy games for no disrespect. You know a team like Motherwell. You know I think as I've just said, a lot of those teams that are going to be down the bottom six. I think there's not much between a lot of them. So Motherwell are clearly going to be a very difficult team to beat this season because that Hibs game was won by a penalty, if I remember rightly. So uh, yeah, clearly going very well, and a team that's probably not been uh, not been mentioned enough. Another goal for Mister Van Veen as mm. well, who. Uh, Probably somebody that we could have discussed at the start of the show for being a, a very good summer signing as well. I was actually thinking about giving him some kind of mention earlier on, but I wasn't. I was a bit nervous too. I was too shy. No, I, I, I'm, I was going to bring him up actually uh, at some point because, of course, he did score in this game, scored the the first uh, well-taken head, and I think he had a really good opportunity to get another one at some point as well. But uh, he's kind of been sidelined for the last few weeks. I mean, he played in... Uh, the first couple of games against Hibs and then uh, St Johnston missed the game against or didn't come off the bench against Livingston then sustained a bit of an injury and uh, didn't really or well did he sustain an injury or he, was, he there was something to do with him well, kind of being out he, of the team and being out of form or yeah he missed the Dundee game uh, in the cup he wasn't even on the bench mm. um, then he so came, he came back for the was... league game and then came off the bench he was on the bench on. on the bench against Livingston. Um, mm-hmm. And it was an unused sub, and then he got the last twenty minutes against Dundee. Yeah, that's what it was. Um, yeah. But after after looking so good against Hibs, like everybody after that Hibs Motherwell game, everybody was speaking about Van Veen. Aye, because he had like, like six, oh, seven so take ons or something like that compared to Boyle the next highs yeah, with two. Something like that. He just yeah. looked so lively going forward. He, he looked he looked excellent. So everybody was left speaking about him, mm. and then uh, yeah, you're right. Just didn't really didn't really follow it up. Um, but now he's got that goal. We'll see what happens next for him. Uh, Motherwell obviously go to Ibrox at the weekend, so probably not expecting much from that one. But uh, yeah, it's quite a tough, uh, tough few fixtures for Motherwell now. To be fair, because they got Rangers away, Ross County, Hearts away, and Celtic in the next four. So mm. a few tough games there for them. Yeah, of course, got the goal and set up the second as well with a really nice cross into the middle, of, middle of the area for a second header. So been really impressed with Van Veen for when he's on, and hopefully he stays on for a lot a long time because he's a really entertaining player to watch. Uh, if you don't mind, lads, we, we need to dip into the championship just now because there's something absolutely remarkable that's happened. Eight and eight, they've the won really, a game. The P45 game. <laughs> the P45 oh, game. Yeah. Right, well, I was gonna how say funny it, is it? Very it? <laughs> 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 good. Uh, it's just, just how funny is it? As soon as you get rid of a pragmatic, defensive and just stupid manager yeah oh he's fucking awful Jamie (laughs) (laughs) really dreadful as soon as you get him out and he had no intention of actually playing football you don't care who comes in I could have went in ball on the ground putting crosses into the box from the wings and we score three fucking goals it's it's not that difficult to figure out once he started playing football we did alright oh I was buzzing. I was at this game, and I was delighted because the last time we went to Somerset Park as a game was the Tuesday night against uh, Wraith Rovers, and I left before full time as uh, Adam Muirhead got himself sent off in the 80th minute, our second red card of the night. And I just, at that point, I was just more interested in going and watching Scotland play Austria 
fully expecting a loss, but that didn't pan out. Uh, no, this was this was absolutely brilliant. This was a real, the real kick up the arse that Air needed. To be honest, I mean, coming out after the Wraith game, there were a lot of reports. That, I think Marcus Fjortoff was speaking to the Daily Record, and he was saying, "We know that we've put Hopkins in this situation, and we are suffering for it." Of course, Hopkins then leaves. Jim Duffy comes in, and we see him. Int- we see him play Dale O'Connor, who, when he came off the bench against Kilmarnock, looked bright. He looked really, really intent on getting forward and making things happen. Two minutes in, he gets the ball down the left, crosses it into Adeloye, and he finishes from a decent angle. So, I mean, instantly there, that's what we should have been doing from the word go. We should have been having O'Connor in the starting eleven. Uh, Stephen Bradley, Struan, you'll be happy to know, had a fairly big impact in this game. He looked lively. Uh, I think got the hockey assist for the... For the second goal and then the full full assist for the sec for the third rather as he hounded uh, the Ross Co- Ross County what am I talking about here uh, the Dunfermline defender in his own box one back possession and squared it to Adeloye for a tap in for his second so you'll be very happy to know that he's started life quite well down at Somerset Park but I think the main thing to take away from this is that Dunfermline are genuinely awful at the moment it's uh, yeah. worrying worrying times Peter Grant still on the job. And yeah. Jamie, when at full time your club captain and Graham Dorans is going over and having a pop at your away fans and having to kind of get pulled back into the dressing room, that just really? yeah, uh-huh, he he was swearing at swearing at the travelling fans. I think uh, our good friend Mister Kennedy from uh, Perth to Paisley was over with uh, a couple of pars pals in the in the away end, and he was saying that uh, Dorans came over and started screaming abuse at some folk or giving abuse back to some folk that were abusing him. I didn't so, see that. So it's uh, not exactly rosy to be uh, at uh, McDermott Park at the moment, is it? Now, McDermott Park, wait, I'm getting my words... <laughs> East End, East End, East End Park. Park. I'm getting my words mixed up because I'm just that happy that Air actually won a fucking game. That's... Forgive yeah. me, forgive me for that. One point from uh, from four games, you know, they conceded 11 goals now, scored three, and, you know, look at the Stumfermline team, and you look at a lot of the players they've got there, they should be, uh, well, they shouldn't be bottom of the league, put it that way. Um but again, at the same time, I would argue that are a lot of us surprised by this. Maybe not to this extent, but did we think that Peter Grant was a very good appointment? Well, no. No. I just remember, I just remember Cameron on one of the episodes. Can't remember if it was this or extra time. Just saying, yeah, Peter Grant the way. Like I think it was our preview actually, um, for the the Scottish leagues, and he just said, yeah, they've got Peter Grant though. <laughs> he did. Yeah, would... that was a highly contributing factor to. Because I, they've made me look a mug to start the season because I said they would finish above Kelly out of spite and nothing more, and they're sitting bottom. So, cheers, yeah. lads. Have that. Can I just ask before you before you kind of move on from here? What was the atmosphere like, obviously, at Air? So you speak about like obviously like the Wraith game was probably pretty toxic, and then mm. obviously change of manager Jim Duffy comes in. Obviously, you get such a good start anyway. But what was the kind of atmosphere like, even just in the lead up to the game? Are people just really happy that he was gone, or what? Yeah, there was a lot less complaining. Like when when we rocked up uh, on Tuesday night, it was just folk complaining. Folk were saying, "Oh, this is absolutely guff. Like this is genuinely terrible." But it was just that kind of open mind and that kind of sense of optimism, saying, "Oh, he's away. We really can't do any worse. And if we do do worse, then we can just say interim manager. We'll get someone else in." So everybody was just kind of up for it, and we were. I think a lot of people were of the of the mind that Dunfermline are <laughs> were in just as bad a place, if not worse, than we are than we were considering the expectation on them. So we kind of had that going in. We thought, you know, I mean, this potentially could be a good opportunity to get three points and then yeah. get the rapid start, double the lead. Then when a goal, then they got a goal back in, a kind of fortunate uh, save fell to Todorov's feet and he could fire it past Albinson. But uh, even at that, we were just thinking, you know, 
it's a, it's a goal conceded, but I think we're still in this and we're still kind of leading the game. And there were moments, I mean, Kai Kennedy produced a really good free kick towards the end of the game and Albinson had to be at full stretch to deny him and there were a couple of other opportunities, but there was nothing clear-cut in terms of the striker getting a ball free in the box and firing it towards goal. It was nothing like that and I think it's a real worry for um, Dunfermline going forward that they've brought in someone like Todorov and he's really struggled thus far. He's really not getting the service that he's needing, so... Worrying times, and I think the most worrying thing of all is the fact that Peter Grant is still on the job because I think it's the. I was just going to say it's their first goal since the first day of the season. Mm. They haven't scored since the two old draw with fucking Morton. <laughs> since you know that like that's ridiculous. When you think about it, like obviously we were all tipping up Morton to be terrible, and they might still, still be down there, obviously. But just like I just can't believe. Look at the Dunfermline squad. Even look at the bench from the weekend. There's players on that bench that are more than capable at that level, and for you know it's just not not working at all. And normally, when it's not working, you change the manager, yeah. and they've not done that yet. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in the. No, I know absolutely. I think and the thing the thing is with the, the film there was this uh, club that were coming in full of ambition. They get these new German owners and they're making these signings, and then they appoint Peter Grant. And you think that's a bit of a backwards appointment for where they are claiming to want to be and then it's just not worked so far so surely if they do have this level of ambition that they're talking about they'd be looking to move them on as soon as possible really just to get themselves back on track uh, that'll kind of do us for I, th- I suppose the only other thing our both won 4-0 which is just uh, it's so good to see Ooh. happening when it doesn't happen to you because when our both beat us 4-0 away at Gayfield last season I was I pretty much contracted depression at that point like I was just done I was convinced that was the point that we were going to go down to League One I was fully accepting of that fact going down 4-0 to uh, Arbroath away it was just painful to watch but it's really really pleasing to see it happen to other teams and even more so to see it happen to Hamilton of course coming down from the Premiership last season Uh, again uh, John Noble as I said he was involved again a goal and an assist I believe Uh, yeah just Brilliant, uh, Mike, Michael McKenna as well. Michael he's been McKenna great. Uh, championship again. player for six goals, six goals. That's rid- it's ridiculous for him. I think he, he won. Well he won championship player of the month for August. I think he did. Yeah, mm. he did. Deservedly so. Uh, yeah, on absolute fire, and you just absolutely love to see it, especially because Dick Campbell's just he's loving life at the moment. He's given some good wee good wee sound clips as well, which is you can just expect <laughs> from Dick Campbell at this point. Yeah. Uh, another win for another win for Kelly. Uh, yeah, who cares? In there and, <laughs> who cares? I mean, in, Inverness Park Thistle. That yeah, that's that's big. From behind that's a that was a top of the table kind of clash. A lot of us kind of fancied those two mm. teams to be up there in the kind of top four. But yeah, good result Scott for Scott Inverness. Tiffany, another goal on the side on the subject of top signings. Mm, yeah. yeah, I think Inverness I actually conceding a goal as well now. It, first, and uh, it's proven that goal. they they can't win the league by one 0 margins every time. <laughs> Like, cause as, yeah, soon as, as soon as that went in, very, that goal, I was like, oh, that's else. it. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, it would be incredible consistency if they managed it, but aye. It's good to see them. They do have more than one goal in them, and that's going to be massively uh, positive for fans of Cali. Uh, we'll move down south now and have a look at the biggest talking points from this weekend in the English Premier League. Of course, it's still going on. We've got Everton-Burnley tonight for anyone that's really excited for that game. Jamie's got fantasy players involved in that, I'm sure. Because it was big love for Burnley. Um, 
I suppose from a Scottish perspective, the biggest news coming out of England this weekend was that Odson Edwards scored twice on his debut, coming off the bench, I think. Two goals inside six minutes, Struan, was it? Am I right with that? Oh, I think so. I think he came on in the 84th, and then I think he got another one in the 92nd or something, something ridiculous. It was 30 seconds, I believe, he was on the pitch. It was before, second yeah. touch. Yeah, it's ridiculous, to be honest. What a, what an impact that was. <laughs> the Crystal Palace fans went um, um Crazy to be honest, I, mm. I, I was out on Saturday morning and I came back in for about the final 15 minutes and uh, and my dad, Celtic fan, came in and he saw he wasn't playing, even though Palace were 1-0 up at this point, he was he said, oh, why are Palace not playing Edward? They'll, they'll throw this game away. And then obviously Edward came on and scored two goals and he just had the biggest grin on his face looking at me, so it was uh, it was quite funny. Yeah, that was, it was a perplexing thing to see. Of course, they brought him in uh, on deadline day, it was, and um, they started Benteke which I didn't really see the logic in when you've got him basically sitting fresh and he's already been playing football, so he's match fit. Uh, I suppose if you, they probably wouldn't have been able to re- replicate that uh, coming off the bench scoring two inside six. So good to see Edward being able to cut it in the division without some question whether he had the ability to. Uh, Struan, elsewhere there was a brace for another uh, of Europe's top strikers coming in from Italy over the summer. Romelu yeah, Lukaku. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, had to be done. Uh, I was rapidly trying to think of another striker who came from Italy that wasn't Lukaku or the, the other guy. Actually, I think elite, only elite strikers scored twice this weekend. So you had uh, Lukaku, you had Edward, and you had Tommy Adeloye for air. It's just, just a and brilliant weekend. for. <laughs> okay, I take it back. Uh, I'll, I'll, leave, I'll leave you for now, Stuart, and I'll come back to you about a, cer- a certain player with a bit of a homecoming. Taylor. Lukaku, he's quite good, doesn't he? Oh, just a wee bit. Just a wee bit good, didn't he? Uh, he's just, just a wee bit. Uh, no, the thing is, isn't he good at his knee slides? Like, he yeah. needs to sort that out quick. But no, did he not say he was going to retire the knee slides? He did say he was going to retire from knee slides, yeah. yeah. To be fair, though, if you're that good, you can do what you want, by the way, and still, mm. like, nobody can shit about it. Like, he just basically just bitched that defence and went, yeah. <laughs> and it's just so... Interesting to see someone like him up against someone like Tyrone Mings, who a lot of us here don't exactly have a lot of time for. And I mean, up leading up to, it would have been the third goal actually. Aspilicueta gets the ball in plenty of space down the left hand side. The defence is playing really, on the right hand side, uh, actually, defence is playing really, really narrow. Mings comes across rather than the left back, not makes him. Aspilicueta just sticks the ball through his legs and just breezes past him. And you're thinking, Aspilicueta is 31 years old and not exactly blessed with pace. And you're letting them just skin you, skin you for absolute dead. It's really worrying. I, I suppose that's one of England's top centre backs. So, always yeah. pleasing to see him get round. Definitely. Like, also, what you got to say? So I was going to say, do you remember in the lead up to the Euros when Mings literally body checked somebody in the box and it just got overlooked? Does anybody remember <laughs> that incident? I don't actually. What when was that? It was one of the uh, friendlies England played before the Euros, and the mm. ball was kind of out on the left wing, and somebody was coming into the box, and Mings basically just bodied them and pushed them to the floor. And oh, he just lovely. sort of got overlooked and kept going. But uh, sorry to interrupt it. Not at all. And then, then it's just that he's just got, and then he just takes a touch to put it onto his left foot and just absolutely rifles it past Jed Steer at the top left hand corner. And of course, his first goal was great as well. Of course, gets the ball played over the top by Matteo Kovacic, who had probably one of his best games for Chelsea in terms of an attacking return. Goes a goal and an assist when he hardly gets either. Uh, takes the touch, takes it in, cuts back past the defender and then just rifles it uh, in low for the opener. Uh, just so, so good. It's something that Chelsea have been missing for a number of seasons at this point. Just an elite level finisher and that's really going to propel them up to 
you would imagine silverware in some capacity towards the end of the season, but still early and it's still a very long season to go. I actually didn't think uh, he would hit the ground running as much as he did. I thought he'd come in, he'd bed himself in a little bit, you know, he'd have uh, a couple of chances, you know, he'd score maybe a couple in maybe his first five games, but holy God, he's been good. Like, <laughs> is, is this, Struan, Struan, what has yeah. your club done to this man? You've angered him. <laughs> you have angered him. Like I could, I could come up with so many reasons right now. Also, that uh, reasons that I'm not the biggest fan of Lukaku, but honestly, I think it's been incredible. I think this, I think this Chelsea team is made for him. It's one of those, it's one of the classic cliches of he was the final piece of the puzzle, mm. and and he literally was. You know, that team has absolutely everything in it. I think I, I was, I was a really big fan of Time Abraham. Still am, obviously. Yeah. But I, I don't think he was going to be the the striker long term for Chelsea. I think they wanted more than that, and I think Lukaku can definitely be that. I think he's gone away to Italy and he's just become incredible. To be honest, he's played in a similar situation, well, a similar situation, similar formation, with the back three uh, over in Italy. And I think now this Chelsea team is just built for him. You mm. know, I think it's one of those ones where it's just tailor fit. He comes in and he works wonders. Obviously, he knows the Premier League. He's played for about four different clubs in it at this point now. He's in the prime of his career. You know, he's in that classic, you know, once you hit 28 and that's you in the prime of your career. And I think he will be the difference. I've tipped him to be the top goal scorer player of the season this year. And I think Chelsea win the title. And I think he's going to be that that storyline uh, player for it as well. All this from a man who doesn't even like him. <laughs> that's, uh... I, don't, I don't dislike him. I've just, I, I, I wasn't fond of the way things went at Manchester United. Obviously, okay, I, I dislike Jose Mourinho far more for what mm. happened and everything that went on there. But at the same time, I don't think Lukaku really covered himself in glory leaving Man United. Mm. Although I do think it's funny that the, uh, the tweet that he put out in 2017 when he joined Man United was, uh, I, I've come and I've joined the biggest club in the world. And then uh, he made the point that like Chelsea was his dream club, and I just saw that clip getting posted absolutely everywhere. So, um, yeah, he's... yeah. <laughs> just just leave that in a wee sly one there. Uh, Jamie, Lukaku's not the only new arrival in West London this summer. Uh, Saul Nigeth uh, joined from Atletico Madrid on deadline day on a season-long loan and was kind of dropped straight into the action and played the first 45 on Saturday evening but really didn't cover himself in much glory and found himself struggling through a lot of that first half and was eventually hooked for Jorginho at half time yeah you know, I just think he wanted a wee bit too much time on the ball at times um, mm. I think in, in Spain you probably get that he's probably used to getting an extra couple of touches an extra few seconds on the ball and you just don't get that in the Premier League. You know, he's up against people like John McGinn, for example, yeah. in that midfield too. For example, he's you know, he just runs all day McGinn. So he's never gonna give you time on the ball. So uh, he'll adapt to that though. He'll he'll learn a lot from that and he probably will just take a few games to, to get up and running. It wouldn't surprise me if he had a good game in uh midweek here at Chelsea playing. Oh uh, Zen it tomorrow night. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if he had a had a good game mm-hmm. tomorrow night. I think I completely agree. I think he, he's come out and said that he, he was just he wasn't ready for the intensity that he was going to be facing. So yeah. I think he knows himself that he's got work to do, and you'd imagine he'll be a better player in the next weeks to come. Uh, right, we'll give Struan his time. Struan Ronaldo scored twice on his return to Manchester United. Do you want to just have like a two minute window to just gush for a little bit, or just just quickly on San Nigas, I think he's a really interesting transfer because obviously he's a loan. He reminds me a lot of that Kovacic deal. Yeah, true. He's come mm-hmm. on a one-year loan. Very similar. He wasn't quite working out in Madrid. He's come over, but I think he'll do really well, to be honest. I think it's one of those where... I think Kovacic was the same throughout his first season at Chelsea. He didn't really um, hit the ground running. It's obviously quite a different 
much different league to be honest compared to La Liga and that's not disrespecting La Liga it, it just is different as you say the time yeah. on the ball but I, th- I think they'll settle in really well and these guys got some pretty pretty damn good midfielders to play around and learn off of as well Very so true. I, I think he will turn into a, a pretty decent signing um, yeah Ronaldo scored too uh, that's and thank you Strain let's move on to European <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? We, do, we, don't, we don't give him credit for the first one because as, as soon as I said, off. as soon as I said to my mate, oh, Ronaldo just scored, he goes 10 minutes a tap in. And then we well, got the goal off in it. If you watch that goal back and you analyse it, Mason Greenwood is on the right wing and, it, and it, it, there's nothing going on for Man United. Newcastle have just parked 12 men behind the ball because they just put on an extra one. It felt like they were playing with 12 men. <laughs> and Mason Greenwood has scored three goals in three games and he decides, do you know what? I'm going to take a shot. Now, no Newcastle defender nor any other Manchester United attacker are even awake at this point except Ronaldo because he knows that there's a chance that the goalkeeper is going to parry this shot. Greenwood takes it, goalkeeper parries it because I think he's Newcastle's third choice goalkeeper. No disrespect, he didn't have a great game. And Ronaldo was on it like a flash. Yeah, it was a tapping, and I found that really funny the fact that his first goal was, <laughs> was a tapping. But uh, uh, striker's instinct, and yes, I'm just trying to find any possible way to appraise that goal. A second one is a really nice touch that uh, Luke Shaw plays a through ball in. It's a nice ball, to be fair. Yeah, he, he takes the ball well, runs with it, not makes the goalkeeper on his left foot. Much better finish than the, the first one. And uh, then Bruno scored a really nice goal. And uh, Jesse Lingard, in my opinion, actually scored the best goal of the entire game. That build-up play from Man United was absolutely lovely, to be honest. And Pogba got two more assists, so... Well, yeah, he's good... on now seven. And... Seven and four games, which I, I think is the hell. fastest any player has ever gotten to seven assists in the league. Which is um, it's pretty impressive for Paul Pogba. I, I I think it will stop at some point because I, I think last season he got three assists. So um, I'm expecting it to, to suddenly stop at one point. But yeah, it was a really good result. Ronaldo. I don't want to say he proved his doubters and his critics wrong because I'm not judging his United career off one performance. It was very good, but at the same time, it was against Newcastle. The atmosphere was absolutely incredible. To be honest, I I, I I'm envious of anybody who was in Old Trafford, especially Gary Oldman. God. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was a really good performance to be honest and I think he's the type of player that Manchester United needs. We see that Edison Cavani is once again out with a knock and had Ronaldo not been signed it probably would have been Martial playing at striker again which, as we saw last season, is bad. So yeah, I think he'll hopefully keep up this uh, this goal-scoring form because there was, uh, there was a funny story that Lee Grant came away with uh, on Talk Sport saying that the, uh, the night before uh, Ronaldo didn't eat his pudding and no, none of the other players wanted to touch theirs because Ronaldo wasn't doing it, and it's that sort of example I feel like he's going to set. But obviously, I, I, I just because Ronaldo was in the room, it wouldn't stop me from having dessert. I, I was going to say, by the way, Ronaldo or not, I am fucking eating my sticky toffee pudding. See, see if I see Ronaldo's not eating a sticky toffee pudding, my instinct is not, oh, I better not do that. I want to be in Ronaldo shape. My instinct is, oh, there's a sticky toffee pudding going. I'll have two exactly. then. Exactly. You grab know I mean? that. You've got seconds. There you go. Ronaldo, yes, you might treat your body like a temple. I'm treating mine like a king. I'm eating this all. Easy days. I'm much. Uh, I love John McGinn's story about how he used to have a delivery and a weekend attendance a couple of times. Really. <laughs> Give me that any day. But um, yeah, it was, it was the perfect start for Ronaldo, obviously, and a uh, decent result for Man United. But obviously, still concerns in that team. Oh, he's done. Okay. Uh, I, I said two minutes. It was just, just, just disregard me. That's fine, Struan. A couple of other things. Taylor, do you want your time to to shout at your critics for your oh, shout yes. coming in? <clears throat> that goes out to Sean and Graham. Clear his throat. 
This one Fuck goes out you. to Seanan. This one goes How? out to Tommy. <laughs> <laughs> Good. How wrong would... I'm not even going to... No, no, I set, I set me up to actually that come back to me. <clears throat> Jack, yeah, please it. just leave me into this exactly why I'm so happy. What did you inform me before we started this podcast? Uh, the uh, lonely striker for Wolves, Hwanky Chan, scored his first goal and his first appearance for the club. And as we were building up into the season, I said that that move, that would be a good move for him to get back to, you know, you know, goal scoring ways, get, you know, he'd fit the uh, style of Wills, he'd go on, he'd actually be a good signing. I got radicaled, and I emphasise the radicaled, because <laughs> honestly, I could tell, oh, he only scored three goals for RB Leipzig, he was a failure, he was built up to be this. Guess what? Yes, it's only one goal, one game. But guess what? It's looking what? promising for me. <laughs> he scored. He scored. Was it a tap-in? Was it an absolute Chris Boyd S goal? Yes. Don't care. They all count. One goal, one game. Outstanding piece of positioning from him. And um, all I'm going to say is, um, what a signing. Best signing in the transfer window. Who's Ronaldo, man? When you've got outstanding South Korean S striker positioning. Amazing. What's his name, Taylor? <laughs> Did you hack up in the middle of that laugh? I swear <laughs> to God. <laughs> Go on, Taylor, say his name. <clears throat> no, no, I'm not, I can't, I can't. Right, we're, we're going we're gonna to save his career by moving yeah, on. <laughs> we're not even going to give him the chance. Uh, what, else, what else happened? Let's look at Europe, shall we? Let's look at what... Because uh, we're winding down. We're just past the hour mark now, so we're getting into the... The final stages of today's episode. If you've made it this far, thank you very much. Uh, I, can, I can't imagine what it's like sitting and listening to the four of us for yeah. well over an hour at this point. I, I, don't I guarantee get it. they turned off when I started going on about fucking sticky toffee pudding and custard, to be honest. I switched yeah, off about five minutes well, beforehand, Christ. <laughs> there, there's an episode title if you want one. Yeah, uh, Josie Mourinho won his thousandth game. Ga- av- my, my big list. <laughs> <What, what laughs> I, I don't know. He's he's played a, a thousand games in uh, professional football. He's managed a, a thousand games and he's won his last one. Uh, Stoppage time, Carla from Stefan El Shirawi of uh, FIFA 12 Infamy. Uh, that's just, uh, just Mourinho scenes in it, like just sprinting down the touchline at full pelt. It's just quite funny at this point because I feel like he's just like your uncle who's gone away on holiday for for, for just, just to see out his career and he's, he's just loving life at the moment because... Roma smashing it. I think that's five games, five wins, sitting clear at the top of the table. This is the Jose Mourinho you like to watch, isn't it? The it's honeymoon Mourinho. There's can he's, do he's nothing buzzing, wrong at this point. He's funny. His team are winning. He's doing his antics on the touchline. Reminded me of the Tottenham Man City one where he slams his bottle of water down in the chair and he sprints over to the uh, to the official. And yeah, it's, it's just he's funny at this point in time. And I, and I really like Roma. I'd probably say they're one of my favorite Italian teams. I just. Just like the players in the honest of the past. Obviously, I've mentioned previously, I really like Time Abraham. He started really well. Some other interesting players, obviously Chris Smalling, who we know. And El Sharawi is, as Jack mentioned, a FIFA legend. What a goal he scored as well to, to beat them in the 90, 91st minute, I think his mm. goal came in. So, uh, yeah, it's really nice to see. I, I personally think the Italian league is the best league this season of the top five in terms of the title race. I genuinely think you've got about five or six teams who can win it. And I think that's amazing. Of course, Juventus potentially out of the race before it even begins, sitting in 12th, I think, after losing to Napoli. One, one point in three games they've got so far. 
not the best start for Allegri's return to the Juventus Stadium because just not very creative with our stadium names. Uh, I suppose we, we'll try and provide a bit more Bundesliga coverage here considering Sky don't want to. Uh, Bayern absolutely battered Leipzig. I mean, you can kind of expect that when they took their manager, the uh, centre-back and central midfielder as well this summer. Uh what else happened? Leverkusen Dortmund played out one of the games of the weekend in a 4-3 thriller. Uh, Haaland scored a couple. I think Florian Wirtz got himself involved from Leverkusen's point of view. He's looking to kind of make a name for himself this season as the next big thing. And the next, 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 next big thing in German football. There's one every year, I swear. Uh, and Wolfsburg are sitting top of the league. Uh, four wins from four. They defeated uh, Gruther Freuth away. I butchered that pronunciation. Cedric Hittens team. Is that where he went? Oh, there yeah, you go. Yeah, uh, lost. There you go. There's the connection. Uh, yeah, and then over in Spain, Thomas Lamar scored a 100th minute winner for Atletico against Espanyol. And Real Madrid scored five goals with new man Eduardo Camavinga getting in on the act with his debut, with a debut goal. And I can guarantee you, lads, I've got the most pointless stat of the weekend. Hit me. Are you ready for that? I don't know if you're ready for it, to be honest. Taylor's ready. Taylor's ready, I can I'm tell. Ready. I'm ready. Eduardo Camavinga, at 18 years old, is the 33rd youngest debutant in Real Madrid history. Oofed. I saw that pop up on Twitter and my immediate reaction was, who actually cares? What? what why? Why? Why do we... Why? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to do with that information. I, I can't process it. Well, that's not for, that's not that's not a me problem. I've given you that information. It's not my job to decide uh, decide what you go and do with it now, mate. That's completely up Jack, to you. you that information's made my chair start squeaking. I don't like it. Right, that's it. Wrap it up. It's time to go home. When Taylor's chair starts squeaking, that's when we know it's the end of the podcast. And it is the end of this episode of the Football Roundup. Thank you very much for tuning in and sticking with us for the last hour or so. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed wherever you get yours to get new episodes directly into your ears. Uh, follow us on the socials at ENRG Sport and head over to energysport.net for more excellent content like this in both written and audio format. Uh, thank you very much to Stu and Taylor and Jamie for joining me on this Monday afternoon. Pleasure to be back after a week off. Uh, we're sure Energy Extra Time is going to be back on Thursday, so make sure you look out for that with Sean Cameron and an assortment of our other colleagues at Energy Sport. Uh, until we see you next, my name is Jack Donnelly. This has been the Football Roundup by Energy Sport. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>